0: Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Well, today we're going to uh, conclude our series we've been in throughout the month of October, Ephesians chapter 4, called Inside Out. So if you got a copy of Scripture, let's go there one last time. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, man, would love for you to turn there if you have a hard or even digital copy of Scripture. Uh, maybe on your Bible app, or just for you to have it open there in your lap. But Ephesians chapter four is where we're going to be. And if you don't have a copy of Scripture, we'll put some verses uh, up on the screen behind me so that you can track along with where we're going to be. Uh, the theme of Ephesians four, and really of our whole series, uh, is that been when the Jesus has been when Jesus brings change on the inside of us, it will affect the way that we live on the outside of us. Okay, thus inside out because here's the here's the bottom line of all of this, all right? Jesus is first and foremost concerned with your heart. All right. He first and foremost wants your heart and your mind because here's what he knows that when you surrender that to him, then he can begin to change the outside of you. He begins to change those around you and the impact that you have and so man it's an inside out kind of life that God's called us to live and uh, ministry series has been a lot of fun uh, we've done some unique things together we've watched a Disney uh, movie clip we have pretended to open a really big present that we didn't really uh, and then last week I mean it was a life-changing week last week is some of you got to see what our exchange pastors are going to look like in 30 years from now and I'm just saying if you were here It's rough, all right? It's going to go bad, Uh, but man, if you've missed any of our series, I'd love for you to go back on our website. You can listen to the podcast while you're driving to work, or you can uh, lock in and watch the videos to kind of catch up with where we've been in Ephesians 4. Uh, But today, uh, we're going to take on the last few verses of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verses 25 uh, and go all the way through 32 at the end of the chapter. So here's what we'll do is we'll read all of those verses together, all right? Don't let it overwhelm you, but we'll read all those verses together, and then we'll kind of go back and walk through them to help make some sense. And I think some instruction that God has for us today as we live an inside out kind of life. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says this Therefore, each of you must, <coughs> excuse me, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 28. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And finally, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, here's what we're going to see today, is we're going to see five instructions in this passage of Scripture um, to the new self, to the new man. Now, if you were here with us last week, part three, we kind of did this comparison of the old self to the new self, the differences in those two. Now, remember, old self was someone who was living life apart from Christ. There was not a relationship with Christ. He's not leader, not Lord over their life. The new self is someone who is surrendered to Christ. He is leading their life. They're not just playing the game of church, but they're living life daily for God's purposes in their life. And so what Paul does in this final section is he kind of gives us part two of last week. So if you missed last week, you're going to get the continuations. Good news. It's more instructions to the new self, to those of us who are followers of Jesus. We're going to see some instructions today that Paul's going to, he kind of pushes on, encourages on to go, hey, maybe some of this needs to be shaped in your life. Maybe there needs to be some greater obedience in this area of your life. And so that's what we're going to get today. Now, if you're in the room and you're going, man, I'm still kind of exploring this whole relationship with Jesus thing, all right? Today, man, know that a lot of these instructions are for those who are in Christ, but here's what I hope you hear if that's you, man, you're exploring, why do I need to follow Jesus? I hope that you hear, okay, the holiness of our God, that he calls us to be set apart, but in being a holy God, all right, who is greater than us, who is perfect in all his ways when we're not, he loves you where you are, all right? He steps into the mess that you are in, that you've maybe got yourself in, and he loves you where you are. So today we're going to see <clears throat> five different instructions in this passage, and Paul is going to give an instruction, and then he's going to answer the, reason, the, the question, why? Why would you live this out? He's going to give a reason. Anybody got kids at their house right now, and they ask why? Like 452,000 times a day, okay? All right, Paul's got you, okay? Because some of you are going to go, why, Paul? That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound fun. I don't want to live that out. And he's going to go, here's the reason why, okay? So let's walk through these together. We'll go back and read verse 25 just to refresh our minds. Ephesians 4.25, Paul says, therefore each of you must put all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. Here's our first instruction to the new self is this, speak truthfully, speak truthfully. Paul first says, what did he say? He says, put off falsehood, put off falsehood. The default response of our sinful flesh when we live as the old self is deceit. All right, that's at the base of who we are. Verse 22 from last week, I'm going to read you a portion of it. Here's what Paul said last week, Ephesians 4.22. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Watch what he says about it. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, okay? The root of our old sinful self is deceit. And here's how I know that to be true, okay? Because when you live as the old self, you live a life, all right, that is deceived. First of all, because we believe that things of this world, relationships, stuff, money, we believe those things will fully and finally satisfy us, all right? And they will not, all right? But we live deceived. We also live deceiving others because of the life that we live. And therefore, you know what, you know what breeds out of that? Chaos, turmoil, division, All right, all of those things that come between you and other people in your life. And so, I mean, the root of the old sinful self is deceit, it's deceit. Satan actually himself, he's called the master of deceit, or he's also called the father of lies. Um, Scripture highlights that, John 8, 44, it says it this way. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, all right? And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there was no truth in him. And when he lies, watch this, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. Paul says as a new creation, that's not who you are. That's not who you answer to anymore. So he says, put all falsehood and instead do what? Speak truthfully, all right? It's our first instruction day. speak truthfully. Truth speaking is a sign of the new self being lived out. Um, the story is told of a father and his young boy who went bicycle shopping, and they walked into a store together as they're looking for a bicycle. A delivery man walks in, and he's delivering goods to the store to be sold, and he's got this cart. It's stacked full of boxes. All right, he can barely see over the top of it, and what he doesn't see is he doesn't see a TV um, on display that was set up on top of this tall display, and the delivery man with his cart. Boom, runs right into the whole display. The TV falls off the front screen first, right under the ground, busting 100,000 pieces. And as the father and son stand there watching this scene, the store owner runs over to the delivery man and says, it's okay, it's okay, no worries, no worries, no worries. I won't make you pay for it. We'll just tell the company that it was damaged in shipping and they'll send us a new one. And the father and his young boy walked out of the store because the father said, I refuse to do business with a man who can lie that quickly and not think twice about it. You see, here's the reality that not truth-telling, lying, as Scripture would say, falsehood, can become such an easy pattern in our lives. It It starts as a small thing, and then before long, it's happening in such a way that we're not even really aware that we're doing it anymore, and it becomes a way of life. We lie to our spouse. We can lie to our kids or to our parents. Then we tell the small lies at work. We lie in some small things. We lie about some big things. We lie about seen things. We lie about unseen things that no one would know. And scripture tells us can become a way of life, but it's not the new self way of life. Here's what Paul says, Colossians 3, 9. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. You've taken off your old self with its practices. Paul says, in Christ, this is not who you are anymore. But did you notice the reason, all right? Paul's instruction, and and he gives a reason, speak truthfully, then he gives the reason. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Scripture says a unified, healthy family speaks truth to one another. A unified, healthy family speaks truth to one another. My wife and I, as we have the opportunity to do premarital counseling with a number of couples who are thinking about um, saying I do and and, and stepping into a marriage relationship together. One of the first things that we instruct them, tell them, or encourage them to do is if there is anything hidden in your relationship from one another, there's anything uncovered, it needs to come out now. Not after I do. It needs to come out now. Because a a, a marriage relationship that is not built on truth produces a family that is not built on truth, which produces great division and great turmoil is coming. God has called us as the new self to speak truthfully. That'd be a normal practice of our lives. And as Christ followers... The reality is we're part of one big spiritual family and body within the church. And the only way that the spiritual family will be unified together is if we speak truth to one another. Truth breeds health and unity, not just in your earthly family, but it brings health and unity to our spiritual family. And once you just see something, okay, zoom out 30,000 feet beyond just you and your family sitting on the road today, God has given us as a spiritual family, he's called us to be a part of the greatest mission in the history of eternity. History of eternity. Feel that weight for a second. He's called you and me to be a part of this thing of carrying the hope and the love and the light of the gospel to the people who are far from God. He's called us to push back darkness and to shine light where there is brokenness. He's called us to that. But he says for you to do that effectively, you gotta speak truthfully and live truthfully with one another. Think with me for a moment, man. If you're you're in the middle of war, all right? in a foxhole, in a bunker with a fellow soldier and the enemy is firing. Do you want that fellow soldier speaking the truth to you or telling you just what's comfortable and easy? If you're in that bunker with me, you better tell me you got my back and then you better get my back, all right? That's all I'm saying. You can answer for yourself. But if I'm running, you better be having my back, right? God says, man, you you walk in unity when you speak truthfully with one another. God has called us to speak truthfully to one another. And sometimes this means being truthful about our struggles. Sometimes it means sharing truth that hurts. Sometimes it means sharing truth that convicts. That's not always fun to hear. Sometimes it means sharing truth that encourages and speaks hope into our brokenness, into our hurting. So let me ask you today, application, who do you need to speak truthfully to? <laughs> Who's God put in your life that you need to share truth to? Or how about this? Who have you withheld truth from and why? I the new self created to be new in Christ speaks truth. It's just an active habit of their life. All right, go back to verses 26 and 27. Paul says this, he says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Second instruction Paul gives is this, release anger quickly. Release anger quickly. Quickly, verse 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Now catch this, Paul is acknowledging that the new self in Christ may get angry, all right, but listen carefully. Scripture says there is such thing as a righteous anger. Now you've heard that terminology. There's such thing as a righteous anger. In John chapter two, if you read the story, some of you may know it, Jesus comes into the temple. He begins turning over the tables of the money changers. And he gets, he gets righteously angry, we could say, because the money changers have tried to turn his house from a house of prayer into a place of business. And he says, that ain't God's purposes for my house. And he shows what we might could call righteous anger. And I think even today, in our world, in our culture today, it is possible for you as a new self in Christ... To show righteous anger against things that stand against God's purposes for your life, for your family, for our world. Things like abortion or sex trafficking, things like murder and abuse. We can have righteous anger in those things. But hear this, there is a great difference between righteous anger and the anger that leads to sin that Paul talks about here in Ephesians 4, okay? Okay. The great Aristotle once said this, look at it on the screen. He says, to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, this is not easy. And I would say right on, all right? For us in our sinful flesh, typically our anger is not righteous anger. Can we just all agree that anger has led many people to do many things That they greatly regret, that can never be overturned. One great thinker called anger momentary insanity. Pretty true. Momentary insanity. So, scripture says hey, one of the greatest ways to keep your anger in check is to put a time limit on it. All right? Verse 26, Paul says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, Paul says, do not allow your anger to spill over into another day, okay? Some of you may not believe it, but occasionally in my marriage relationship, there is conflict. Sometimes, all right? We call it heated fellowship. That makes it spiritual, all right? Sometimes there's conflict, all right? And over 11 years together, we have learned to try to walk out this healthy practice of not letting the sun go down while we are still angry. Now, let me be real with you. There are times where it ain't that hard. There are other times where it's really, really hard, okay? And there have been some really late nights staying up, talking together, all because we wanted to pursue reconciliation because we knew that it was a healthy thing. Now, again, let me be real with you. All right, we've been, we've been married for almost 11 years. We've learned that there, there are some times where there are certain situations where we don't get to the place where we go to bed as BFFs, all right? But we'll get to the place where there's at least grace given and unity and reconciliation sought so that when we open our eyes the next day, the anger from the day before didn't get to rob us of today. Paul says, do not... Let the sun go down while you are still angry. Release anger quickly. And then he gives the reason. Why, Paul? That's hard. I've been done wrong. Here's what he says. So you do not give the devil a foothold. Hear me, church. Unresolved conflict gives the devil a foothold every time. You know how I know this to be true? Because when conflict is present and unresolved, you begin to assume the worst about others and about the situation. Every time. You start thinking things like, well, she, she probably thinks this about me. Or, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. My spouse is so clueless. My boss is so annoying. My parents are so out of touch. They don't know. They don't know. She doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's worthless. She ain't got it together. See, when conflict and anger is present but unresolved, you and I will assume the worst about others and about the situation. So Paul says, hey, as the new self, man, you got to release anger quickly and do it in a healthy way. The devil's work is to accuse and to divide believers. Do you know what you do when you hold on to anger? You do his work for him. And he doesn't need a whole lot of help. So let me ask you, what unhealthy anger are you holding on to that you need to release in a healthy way? Like what anger did you wake up with this morning or maybe already occurred in your day that you don't need to wake up with tomorrow? And how are you going to pursue healthy, graceful reconciliation? Okay, the new self releases anger quickly in a healthy way. Paul goes on in verse 28 of Ephesians 4. He says it this way. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those who are in need. Here's the third instruction Ephesians 4 is to work honestly. Work honestly. He says, Hey, this new self, they no longer live this kind of lifestyle of stealing, but they work honestly. Now, when we hear the word steal in our culture today, what do we think about? Okay, we think about bad people, all right, who go into break into somebody's home or their business and they take money or possessions that don't belong to them. Okay, there's no doubt that is stealing. But I believe that perhaps in Ephesians 4, Paul is speaking about some things that we might view a lot more innocently. That if you hold it up to the holiness and righteousness of God, it actually is stealing. See, stealing in today's world could look like lying on your timesheet. Stealing in today's world can look like consistently coming in late and leaving early, but expecting full pay. Stealing in today's world could look like, man, eating on the company card when the meal didn't really have anything to do with the business. Or stealing today could simply be bumming off a of family and friends rather than asserting yourself to get your own job. See, Scripture says the new self puts off the old deceitful ways and instead works honestly. And here's how Scripture talks about it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, verse 11, it says, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. Why would you do that? Verse 12, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Did you know this? Did you know that the way that you work every day is a representation of Jesus? Like every day when you walk into your Monday to Friday, eight to five, seven to four, six days, whatever that looks like for you, when you walk in, you're a representation of Jesus to your coworkers, your boss, your employees, and to everybody that your business impacts. Let me ask you this question that we all have to wrestle with. How are you doing at reflecting Jesus in your workplace? How are you doing? See, Paul says not only do you represent Jesus at your workplace, but he also says through your work, you create means to bless others who are in need. In verse 28, he answered the why question. He gave us one of the reasons for the instruction, which is so that you might have something to share with those who are in need. And God gives us the opportunity to work. Your job, whether you're loving it right now or not, is a gift from him to provide for you, for your family, and then so that you might manage what God has resourced to you in such a way that you could bless others who might be in need. God's given that to you, okay? So application, how are you doing at working honestly? Paul started and showed, how are you doing at working honestly? You know, I don't, you know how you're doing. Are you cutting corners and creating dishonest gain? Or are you using your career opportunity that God has given you to go, man, I'm going to represent Jesus daily, daily, moment by moment at my workplace, and then I'm going to receive what he gives me off of that. I'm going to manage it in such a way that I can bless others who are in need. That's the new self, man, created in Christ to grow and be more like him. We work honestly. He goes on, all right? Verse 29, he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In verse 30, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's the fourth instruction, all right? A little more positive, encourage consistently. Paul says that you would encourage consistently. Verse 29 gives this instruction. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk, that's how the NIV translation reads, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. All right? What does unwholesome talk mean? Right, I know how most of us would answer that. I mean, well, that means don't cuss. Right? Don't cuss, especially around the kids and the women. Okay? Don't cuss. That's what we say in our culture, right? And I think, you know what? I think that classifies as unwholesome talk. But I think that Paul is digging deeper. I think he's going beyond just don't drop the four letter words to say things like, hey, unwholesome talk means how you address your spouse and your kids at home. Unwholesome talk, uh, I think it means how you talk about other kids at your school who may not be as smart as you, have as much as you, look like you, it counts. Unwholesome talk means how you speak about your boss to your other coworkers, all right? Unwholesome talk means the jokes that you tell when it's just you and your bros, all right? I, I think Paul, he might, okay, he might have even been looking so far ahead that he was saying, hey, unwholesome talk, it includes how you speak and how you post on social media. I don't know. Just saying, like, I think we could reword, work with me, we could reword verse 29 of Ephesians 4 in 2019 to say something like this. Do not, do not let any unwholesome post come off of your fingers, but only what is helpful for building up your followers and friends according to their needs, that it may benefit those who scroll past. What you think? What you think? You see, the unwholesome talk never starts with your mouth. It starts in your heart. It's filtered by your mind and comes out your mouth. So if you don't put up the barrier around your heart and you just let it get to your mouth, can I tell you something? It's too late. It's over. And Paul says, hey, man, if you want to be a new self, reflect Jesus Man, guard your heart, guard your mind. And then we see these, this warning in Matthew 12, verse 36. He says, but I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. That to me says that we will be held accountable for the words that we use. I don't know about you, but man, in my life, that is incredibly convicting. That our words matter. Ephesians 4 says only speak words that do this, that build others up according to their needs. In other words, God calls you and he calls me to be builders rather than to be destroyers with our words. Words have the power to build others up, or they can tear them down in an instant. And God says, I've called you to be builders. So let's make it apply. Over the last week, last seven days, from last Sunday, all right? Think about your, your world, your week, work, school, kids, schedule, family, all right? Have you built more, or have you destroyed more? with your spouse, your kids, back to your parents, at your workplace, on social media. And God has called us to be builders. And I love how the message translation puts verse 29. Look at this, it's so good. Ephesians four twenty-nine, message, he says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Why? Because each word is a gift. Each word a gift. Now, what if we treated each word as a gift? Like each word to your spouse, each conversation with your kids, with your parents, with the people in your life group, with the people that you share life with, with the words that you post. Words are a gift, and Scripture says, life and death are found in the power of the tongue. So are you building and giving life or are you destroying and tearing down? What would it look like? Think for a moment. Now, what would it look like for your your spouse, your family, your kids, your workplace to feel you use words as a gift that give life? Like what, how would they feel? Not you, how would they feel? I think they would begin to accurately see Jesus in you. So let me ask you, all right, how are you doing it? Encouraging consistently because Paul says there's a great reason why I give this instruction. Verse 30, did you see it at the end of it? He gives us the reason why. Why, 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 Paul? Because when we don't, we grieve the very Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but like have you ever let somebody down that you loved? Maybe it was your spouse, your parents, your kids, family member, friend, like somebody that you love, you you didn't do something that you really said you're gonna do, or you did something that you knew upset them, and you, you, you grieved them. And it's a, we've probably all done that. It's a, it's a miserable thing to grieve someone you love, right? A miserable thing. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, man, when you, when you use your words to destroy rather than build, he says, you grieve the very spirit of God that he's given to you if you're in Christ as a gift. And may we be people that go, God, we, we will not grieve your spirit. We'll be builders rather than destroyers. We'll give life. We'll speak to need, right? Because the new self, okay, the new self encourages consistently. There's one last instruction that Paul gives, though. Verse 31 and 32, look at it with me. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Here's the final instruction. We'll sum it up this way. Forgive always. Forgive always. Verse 31, Paul gives this whole list of things that we can be victim to, right? You read it. NIV says bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. He says all of these things, they fail to represent the character of Jesus and they fail to represent the new self that we are in Christ. But can we just like, Let's get real today in church, right? If we're really honest, are these not typically our fleshly responses when we're wronged, right? I mean, let's, let's be real, okay? I mean, isn't it just so much easier to have bitterness towards that family member, that ex-spouse, that friend who did us wrong rather than trying to go have the reconciliation conversation? It's just a lot easier to just hold that in. Isn't it so much easier to just respond in anger to our spouse, or our kids, who press our buttons, maybe we just, oh, just let that thing out. That's what's easiest. And isn't it just easier to, to slander, or to, to speak negatively about that coworker or boss or that person we can't stand? It just, here's an indirect post on social media. Boom, take that. It, isn't that just easier? Like it feels better, right? It appeals to our flesh more. But here's what Paul says. He says, hey, although your flesh... What you want to do is you want to respond in verse 31. He says that's, that's not the reaction of the new self who's in Christ. Instead, the new self, he chooses, gives us three things. He chooses kindness, he chooses compassion, and he chooses forgiveness. See, the new self forgives always. Or what we could say is that forgiveness, forgiveness is the antidote for bitterness, anger, and slander. I love this quote that I ran across this week. A professor of theology by the name of Dr. Lewis Smittes said this about forgiveness. Look at it on the screen. He said it this way. Revenge never evens the score because offended people never keep score of wrongs with the same mathematics. Forgiveness is the only way to stop the cycle of unfair pain turning in your There's great power in the choice to forgive. But let's be honest. Forgiveness oftentimes can be the hardest thing. The hardest thing, right? I mean, I can encourage. I can work honestly. Forgive. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know how wrong it was. You don't know how bad it was. I think Paul says, no, I know. And that's why he gave us the reason for this final instruction. Look at it at the end of verse 32. He wrote it this way. He says, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, it isn't that we must forgive in hopes that Jesus will forgive us, but it's that we are called to give because Jesus has forgiven us. Scripture said it this way. Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, that's who you are, clothe yourselves, here they are again, with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, and bear with each other. You're gonna frustrate each other. You're gonna offend one another. So bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, what do we do, Paul? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He forgave you. See, it cost God the very death of his only son so that he could forgive you. But for you and me, it costs us nothing to forgive someone else. And Paul says, man, when you think of the amazing way that God forgives us, it's really pretty shameful to think that we're going to withhold that from somebody who's wronged us. So let me ask you again, application, this is not easy. Who do you need to forgive? Who in your life? Family member, friend, coworker, classmate? Who do you need to forgive? And what's holding you back from choosing forgiveness? Paul says the new self, old is gone, the new is here, the new self forgives always just as you have been forgiven. Some stout instructions, right? Paul says the new self speaks truthfully, releases anger quickly, works honestly, encourages consistently, and forgives always. I mean, we can read these things, all right, inside of a Sunday church gathering and go, yeah, they all make sense. Oh, man, but let Monday hit, right? And they're not quite so easy to live out. Think about it this way. Any of you who uh, know me on a any level, you know that one of my favorite things is dessert, all right? Like God created on the eighth day, he created dessert, okay? And uh, man, one of my favorite desserts is anything that has Oreos, okay? Don't put peanut butter in there, it messes it up, but anything with Oreos, okay? And some of you over the last um, few years, if you maybe being a part of our exchange, you have, you have blessed my soul, all right, with your homemade Oreo desserts. All right. And I just want to say it is well with my soul. All right. And you, okay. Those of you who have done that, you are by far my favorite exchange family members. Okay. You are hands down. All right. The rest of you uh, get with it. Okay. pastor Appreciation Month. We're in it. It's got a few days left in it. All right. I'm just saying, okay. Throwing out a flyer. Uh, but man, I, I, like, I love Oreos, okay? I'm, I'm fanatic about Oreo desserts, and a lot of you are too, okay? It's just like a kind of American favorite. So in honor of you today, all right, I brought this little gift right here, all right? And this is a gift that I will open, all right, if you were here in part two. Like, this is a gift that I will. But I want you to think with me for a second, okay? I want you to think with me that, man, you, it's Monday, okay, that's coming tomorrow, and you leave work, you leave school, and like, it's just, it's been one of those days. It's been a Monday, all right? And, and man, you're like, I got to have something sweet. And so you're like, oh, Oreos, mm, Oreos. Some of you, you got to have the milk. Some of you, it's just like, just give me the cookie. Just mum, 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 okay? And, and you're like, that's what I'm getting. And so you go by the store, you find the Oreos, you get the jumbo pack, and you're like, this is it. This is about to end my Monday on a good note. And you put them in your car, and somehow you withhold from eating the whole thing on the way home. Okay, you got to put them in the back seat rather than the front seat because you would just like, it would, you would destroy them. And you get home, and what happens, right? You get home, and you go change clothes. You put your fat pants on, all right? Because you got to put your fat pants on if you're going to eat Oreos. Somebody, I'm talking to you. It's real life right here, all right? And, man, you get home, and you open up those things, and you're like, man, you, you sit down at the table, and you're like, man, this is it. This is awesome. This is, this is what's going to end my Monday on a good note. And you pull out one of those Oreos, and you begin to look through the whole package to realize one massive problem that every single Oreo got nothing on the inside. How are you reacting in that moment? I'm just telling you, your pastor, all right, he is outraged, all right? We call in the store. We tweeting him. We we post it on Facebook, all right? Forget encouraging consistently. We are. This is, right? Man, I would be overwhelmed. I'd be heartbroken. I might cry a little bit, okay? Why? Why would we do it? Why? Because the goodness of the Oreo, what, starts with what's inside. It starts with the feeling. You got to have the white stuff, that feeling right in the middle, right? Without the filling on the inside, the Oreo isn't really an Oreo at all. It's just a cookie. And I think in some weird, crazy kind of way, Ephesians 4 is reminding us of that same thing today, that you will never have the outside reflection of Christ until you first have the inside feeling of his spirit. You just won't. You will never have the full Reflection of Jesus' character in you until you first have that feeling there on the inside. Because you see, Paul is not saying, hey, speak truthfully and release anger quickly and work hard and encourage consistently and forgive in that hard to forgive situation and do it under your own strength. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, God gives you a gift. If you're in Christ, he gives you a gift on the inside. It is the power of his Holy Spirit that gives you the wisdom, the strength, and the obedience to live an inside-out kind of life. Here's the reminder that Paul gives us. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, now it is God... It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. In other words, he gives us this life as the new self and he anointed us. It is God who saved us. He rescued you and he set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. See, scripture says God has filled us with the filling of his spirit to give us the wisdom and the strength and the power to live an inside out kind of life. Because don't mishear this, Ephesians four is not about behavior modification. It's not act right, think more clearly, do better. It's not what Paul is saying. No, he's saying when Jesus gets a hold of the inside of your life, And he truly changes you. He gives you a gift. And he fills you with the filling of his spirit so that you might have wisdom and the strength and the power and the obedience and the perseverance to live an inside out kind of life. But it always starts from the inside out. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.